This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate NFL Week 14 Pick'em Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Indeed, Bet Online, and Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we were recording a great interview with Matt Mitchell from the Action Network as IU was blowing it in overtime. IU football, Oak and Bucket game canceled today. Are you okay? Let's start there. Yeah, you know, it was great to have Matt back on. Always fun to talk to him and all his, the energy he brings. So that was a great interview. Everyone make sure to listen to that and follow Matt on Twitter. He's a great he's a great follow. Um, as far as IU football goes, I'm not okay. Um, obviously, it stinks. The game, the game versus Purdue got canceled. Hold on, hold on. I'll start. Okay, ready, set. I, I'm I'm going to need more than a minute. Okay. You you well okay. Let me let me finish this point and then we'll start. Okay, I'm recording. Um, it's, it sucks the game versus Purdue got canceled. Obviously, you hope everyone's okay. Um, a lot of people upset on Twitter today about the Big Ten deciding to change the rule about the, the minimum games need to play so Ohio State gets in the Big Ten championship game. I'm a little annoyed about that, but like Ohio State deserves to get in. They beat us, and they would have went undefeated anyway. I would say if, if the situation was reversed, they would not let IU in. They would keep it that way. So it's all about money, but I think we understand that. And Ohio State beat us, so can't complain. The bigger thing I'm irritated about is this college football ranking. So IU didn't move up this week. They stayed at 12th after beating Wisconsin on the road last week. Wisconsin was 16th in these rankings last week, and they dropped completely out after we beat them. Um, so I'm upset about that for a few reasons. One, the t- some of the teams ahead of us, it makes no sense that they're ahead of us. So I wrote this down so I could keep track. Okay. Oklahoma, so Oklahoma, We're at a minute, but you've earned this. Oklahoma is at 11th. They have two losses this year. One was to Iowa State, who I'll get to in a second. Their other <laughs> loss was to Kansas State. And Kansas State is 4-6 and six in the Big 12 this year. And one of their losses is to a 4-7 and seven Arkansas State team who's in the Sun Belt Conference. So I don't know how that qualifies ahead of us. Next, okay. Iowa State, who I talked about. They've lost to they have two losses as well. They're seventh. They lost to Louisiana Lafayette, who's a ranked team, but that's a Sun Belt team, and to Oklahoma State. So that's two losses. Georgia, they have two losses, and the two best teams they to they got smacked first: Alabama and Florida, and they're fourth in the SEC. They're ranked ninth. Miami, they're ten. They have one loss. Their best win is versus a three and seven Louisville team, and the best team they've played was Clemson, and they got smacked. So those four teams are ahead of us. And if you want to look at strength of record, IU is fourth in the country, fourth. And this is according to ESPN. Iowa State is 14th, Oklahoma 17th, Georgia 15th, Miami 10th. If you're not good with numbers, fourth is better. And then strength of schedule, IU's 10th, Iowa State 19, Oklahoma 40, Georgia's 5, I'll give them that, Miami 31. So the fact IU's behind all four of these teams and they did move up after beating a ranked team is an absolute joke. 
Oklahoma, who every year loses early in the year, and then they come on and people think, oh, is this the year Oklahoma does something? And then they get smacked versus any good team they play in the bowl game is an absolute joke. So that's more, more my frustration with IU, that they're getting no respect in the college football playoff ranking. And right now they wouldn't – ESPN showed a graphic, and they don't have them projected in the New Year's Six game, which is an absolute joke. And last point, I know I'm going long. Ohio State is holding four in the playoff ranking, and they've only played five games because that's the respect they're getting, which I, I do think they're Ohio State is this good of a team. Their best win was versus Indiana, and Indiana doesn't get the same respect in return, so it's very irritating. So that's my grief with IU football this week. I think we might have to cut that clip out and just tweet at Tom Allen and see if we get a retweet from him. I feel like there was a chance. Just be like the disrespect. I saw he liked this tweet last night from Jones um, about basically what you just laid out. USC beats 1-1 Washington State. They move up five places. Iowa beats 2-1 Illinois on the road. They move up two places. Indiana beats number 16 Wisconsin on the road. Doesn't move up. There are legit, legit questions about the college football playoff committee right now. Coach Tom Allen liked it. So he's he's bitter. I think it kind of works to uh, IU's credit, all, all this uh, disrespect. I have to imagine they will find a way into the play, into one of those New Year's Six Bowls. I would hope so. At the I end of the day, like they lost one game by a touchdown to a team that's going to be in the playoff. Yeah, and the whole discussion around Ohio State's, oh, they've only played five games. Can they stay in the playoff? Can they stay in the playoff without, you know, little of games? And their only big win, Ohio State, is versus us. And they barely, and it was a great game. They won by a touchdown, whatever. So if you're going to say Ohio State, by eye test, is this good of a team, why wouldn't IU have that same respect when they were the only team to go blow for blow with Ohio State? They've won three ranked games. You know, they won one on the road, whatever you want to say. And they're behind teams who have lost more games and have less impressive wins than them. It's very frustrating. I think Oklahoma and Iowa State play in the Big 12 championship game. So one of those teams will drop behind us, I would assume. They have three losses. Miami plays UNC this weekend, so hopefully UNC wins. But it makes absolutely no sense. Maybe all this disrespect talk will just get the playoff committee's you know, attention and they'll bump us up next week. But who knows? If they don't get a New Year's Six game, I'm, I'm going to be very upset. Well, I hope you're. I hope you're not too upset. So we're pulling for you, as we are. It. It. For a second there, is looking like there's a chance we might get a rematch versus Ohio State, which would have been something. Um, but that's enough IU football talk. IU basketball. We'll skip that. We'll have plenty more opportunities for takes like that. Um, but Tyler, before. We, we get to our interview with Matt at the tail end. He's a diehard Bills fan, so we kind of check in with him, his thoughts on the season, preview uh, the Sunday night football game, Bills Steelers with him, do lock of the week segment there. But we have an incredible slate this weekend. Last week's like garbage. This week it was actually hard to j- just whittle down to five interesting matchups because there's like six or seven. Um, so year to date checking in, I'm 35 and 29. You are sitting at 32 and 32, which interesting, Tyler. I'm three games better on, uh, you're three games better on lock of the week. I'm ahead three games essentially through this. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to come down to the wire here. Did you have something to add to that? I'm just saying we're basically head, head to head going into week 14. Yeah, it, it's great. I'm, I'm happy for you. Okay, thank you. Um, first game, once Tyler gets that stick out of his behind, uh, Vikings at the Bucks. Bucks are six and a half point home favorites. <laughs> 51 and a half points is the over-under in this one. Huge game for the NFC wildcard playoff picture. The Vikings were absolutely miserable out of the gate. But now they're, they're sitting in the sixth seed. They're six and six. They snuck by the Jags last week in overtime. They've won five out of their last six games. Offensively, they've started to get it together. I think Justin Jefferson's really come on the scene. They've scored at least 27 points or more five times during this nice stretch they've had. And the Bucks, meanwhile, are seven and five. They have gotten embarrassed in pretty much every game where they've either been kind of the America's game of the week in the late slot or a national game. Um, they've lost three of their last four. Tyler, what? where's your head at with this game? You get your boy Kirk Cousins versus a Bucks team that I know you're not high on. Yeah, I'm not. And Bucks. it was so weird. They had a week 13 bye. That seems so late. I, I don't think teams usually have buys that late. But like you said, this, Buc- this Vikings offense has been really good. 
They're 10th in success rate. They're number one in the NFL in explosiveness. You mentioned Justin Jefferson. He's an absolute stud. Um, some of the route, like his route running for rookie is amazing. I think he's going to win, end up winning rookie of the year, you know, with Burrow getting hurt and uh, Herbert kind of falling off a little bit. I think he might get rookie of the year. He's been incredible. I think both teams won that Stefan Diggs trade, but they definitely came out on top um, as far as getting a rookie. But I like the Vikings getting six and a half points. As you said, I don't love this Bucks team. They're 20th in success rate on offense, 24th in explosiveness. It seems like there's just something not right with that team. They can't get it together. Grady, over his last four games, has eight touchdowns and six picks. And as I said, when we discussed their game versus the Chiefs, his interceptions aren't like, oh, he doesn't have enough arm strength anymore or, you know, something like that because he's old. Like, his arm strength looks pretty fine. Just his decision-making has been so bad, and that's what's most shocking about it. So I don't know if they, over the bye week, if they change something up, we'll see. But I like the Vikings getting six and a half. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. And the Vikings' defense isn't great. And on, you look at some of the stats for the Bucks' defense, and you'd think they're good, but they've kind of fallen apart um, over the last four games. They're giving up an average of 28.8 points per game over that stretch. They're 29th in passing success rate over that stretch as well. So they've kind of come to back down to earth. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I also like the over. It's 51 and a half. Um, but I like the Bucks getting or the Vikings getting six and a half here. I, I just think it's too much for two teams that I think are pretty close. Yeah, the thing that makes me nervous about the Vikings, uh, the Bucks' run defense is only allowing 3.3 yards per carry, 74 rush yards a game. We've seen what Dalvin has been able to do since he's been back in the mix and healthy. But I'm with you. Six and a half is too many points here. I know the Bucks are coming in off a bye. Vikings kind of slept walk through the game last week versus the Jags. But I think people need to realize the Jags have actually been kind of feisty the last month of the season. have been doing a decent job covering. Um, but I looked at the Bucks schedule because in my head I was like, I feel like the Bucks haven't played a good game in forever. And they they blew up the the Panthers, but that game was close for a while. And I know because I forget if it was a lock of the week or something, but it was a game we previewed. Um, and I think it was my lock of the week. And they had the big Ronald Jones, like 98 yard touchdown run that kind of broke that one open late. Uh, they played the Raiders and that final score, they won by 20, but that was a one possession game late into the, in the fourth quarter. Um, and before that, week six, they beat the Packers, which was an absolute domination. Uh, they won 38-10 to 10 there. And they haven't really played a complete game like that on both sides of the ball since then. So just six and a half, it's too many points, too much respect for the Bucks. So we're in agreement here, Vikings plus six and a half. And yeah, you mentioned the Bucks run defense, which has been good over the course of the year. But if you look at their last four games, um, they're giving up the 23rd most they're 20, yeah, 23rd most explosive runs in the league over the last four. So some teams are figuring it out. A lot Dalvin of Cook, explosive runs. Yeah. <laughs> Dalvin that Cook's been awesome. Um, and I just think these offenses can go blow for blow here. I think with Jefferson and Thielen, they're not going to be afraid, and they'll be able to run the ball a bit. As I said, Bucks' run defense has become a little vulnerable. So I think this will be a close game. And like I said, I think the over is a good play as well. But yeah. let's move on. 31-28, final score. Bucks win. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if the Bucks lose this game, they're in serious trouble. They're in trouble. trouble. <laughs> well, <laughs> their last three, not really, because their schedule is pretty favorable. I think they play the Falcons twice and the Lions or something like that. I mean, the Falcons The Falcons will give them a game in one of those, I would think. Um, so this is, this is a big game for them, and Brady needs to play well after. Like, the final score of that Chiefs game is so misleading. They, they were terrible in that game. Correct. Correct. Um, let's move on, though. Next game we want to talk about. Really good game in the AFC. Interesting. Um, Chiefs gung to Miami. They're playing the Dolphins. Dolphins, 7.5-point home underdogs. The over-under is 49.5. Um, so I'll throw this little tidbit at you. I can't take. I, I I I think you love the Dolphins just by the way you read off that number. We'll see. Um, okay. I'll give you a little tidbit I found on Twitter. Uh, someone pulled this. I, I didn't do it. Um, home teams. This is this is since 1995. <laughs> is, it, is, is it a real account? Yeah. Home teams over 500 that are seven point un, that are seven points or more underdogs at home. Um, they're 13-40 straight up, not great, but they're 13-23 against the spread. That's what the Dolphins fit into this category. 
Um, this is kind of reminds me of the game last week we talked about with the Browns, Titans, just because I think we'll know quickly what's happening here. Um, I do like the Dolphins, like you said, 7.5. I just think it's too much points. I think their defense, just weird stuff happens in Miami when teams go there. Um, so I like the Dolphins. I think they keep it close. I, I like their secondary against the Chiefs. Um, where, where are you leaning? Yeah, the Dolphins, I mean, Dolphins defense has been incredible. I'm leaning the other side. I like the Chiefs. The way you beat the Chiefs is to run the ball and keep Mahomes and that offense off the field. Um, and the Dolphins are 26th in terms of rushing yards offensively. Chiefs defensively, again, 27th in rush D. That's clearly their Achilles heel. Um, but I don't know that the Dolphins are really going to be able to take advantage of that. Tua played well last week versus the Bengals. Uh, threw a touchdown. He hasn't thrown a pick in five starts. He's very much fitting into that game manager mode. Uh, but I just think the Chiefs are coming in off. They've won seven in a row. I think they have sleptwalked through some of these games. They sleptwalked last week on Sunday Night Football versus the Broncos. And ultimately, if Tyreek Hill, if if Andy Reid challenges that, they end up covering that game. Mahomes is basically a full-on lock for MVP at this point in the year. Um, I just think this offense is going to be able to bounce back. Um, they're going to... I know the Dolphins... They've been feisty. They have. They've made plays defensively. They've forced turnovers. They've forced the second most turnovers in the league. But I just don't think the Chiefs are a good matchup for them at all. The fact that Brian Flores was ready to fight a player uh, last week gives me a lot of confidence in betting on this team. I think that team loves playing for this guy. And I don't suggest he does that every game. But I think in certain situations, it's good to have a coach that's that fiery. And I agree with you. Like I don't think... Dolphins can't get into a shootout, at least I don't think to, yeah. to shoot out with them. They need to limit them. And like you said, they're not great rushing, but as we've seen, like the stats with this team offensively don't seem to matter because they get weird plays and they're great at turning other team over and making mistakes. Xavier Howard has eight picks this year. Their secondary is really good, and I think you're not, you're not going to stop the Chiefs, but I think their secondary is one that could give them issues. They're number one in the NFL in third down defense, ninth in the red zone. And that's where you're going to win versus the Chiefs, getting them off the field on third down and limiting, limiting them to field goals in uh, the red zone. So I think the Dolphins have that recipe. We've seen them play so many weird games this year. I think they continue to do that. I think they get a special teams big player defensive turnover that flips field position dolphins have the fourth best starting field position in the league as well so i think that just states that how their defense has done a good job of setting them up and i also think getting it at seven and a half getting it so they can lose by a touchdown and you're covering i think getting it at that number is a good play so i'm taking miami i think this is a big game for tua obviously no one expects him to be mahomes but if he could show that he could carry the water a little bit as well i'd i'd like to see that yeah, it is. It is a lot of point seven and a half. I just, I don't know. I just, I'm nervous about the Dolphins in any sort of shootout. I'm trying to look here on action if we could see the, the split, but uh, da, da, da. yeah, I don't know. But we'll see. So we're on opposite sides of the coin there. Uh, Colts Raiders next game we want to get to. Uh, Colts going into Vegas. The Raiders are short home favorites in this one. Or home dog, sorry. Two and a half points. Over-unders, 51 and a half. Another massive game for AFC wildcard positioning. We're getting down here to the uh, to the stretch run. Um, Colts are 8 and 4. Raiders, 7 and 5. Colts uh, snuck out that win versus the Texans where Deshaun Watson fumbled late in the red zone. Potentially could be a different result. We saw what happened with the Raiders. Spoke about it on Sunday. Uh, their miracle win. Over the Jets, Tyler, I feel like the Colts are very much the obvious pick here. And for that reason, I think I like the Raiders. <laughs> Going back to the Chiefs game real quick on action, I can see they're getting 60% of the bets, but the line opened at 7.5 and, and is now down to 7. So maybe some sharp action coming in on the Dolphins. Um, but, yeah, the Colts feel like the obvious pick here. I was thinking of this earlier. The Colts are consistently good at being inconsistent. I have no idea what to expect from this team week in, week out. Just looking at their schedule, like you said, you know they didn't play great versus the Texans last week. Squeaked out that game. They got blown out by the Titans. Won a crazy game versus the Packers the week before. 
They won. They looked dominant versus the Titans, and then the week before they looked terrible versus the Ravens. I don't know what to think of this team. Um, their left tackle, they're down to their third-string third left tackle, so that's not great. Um, but I'm taking the Colts here. Jacobs might miss the game. Uh, he didn't practice today, and Gruden sounded pessimistic about him being able to play. And not a lot of running backs change teams. I think for a lot of teams it's replaceable, but I think a guy like Josh Jacobs is the, – the Raiders need him to be successful. We saw last week versus the Jets. I think that's partially why that game stayed close. Raiders couldn't run the clock at all. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't drain the clock, keep it away, kind of salt away the game. So I like the Colts just because without Josh Jacobs, I don't think the Raiders' offense is the same. And I think with the Forrest Buckner on the Colts, he, he changes that defense. When he didn't play um, was it two weeks ago against the Titans, it was noticeable. The fact he had, so the fact he's back now, um, I like the Colts just because I don't know. I don't. I don't think the Raiders. I think the Raiders are coming down to earth, and as we know, they were so lucky to escape with that win last week. Yeah, I think I think you just convinced me to take the Colts. I was very much back and forth on this. I don't really want to. I think I want to put the Raiders in in the penalty box for a weekend and not take them after taking them last week. It's my lock of the week. Defensively, the Colts are just so much stronger than the Raiders are. I think they'll be able to do their classic Philip Rivers dink and dunk. Rivers has a bit of a banged up toe which is something notable just because i mean he's not super mobile to begin with but just something to keep an eye on there but this raiders team i think they're obviously going to be so high after that last minute miracle win over the jets maybe they have a little bit of a letdown you think so i feel like they should be super motivated coming into this game feel like well, they need it they need, that they need the game they need the game if it was a little bit higher against them and a four and a half I'd feel better, but at two and a half, I'm not even getting a field goal, so I'm going to go with the Colts, just go with the better defense there, not think twice about it. Okay, yeah, so we're in agreement there with the Colts. Like I said, this Colts team is consistently inconsistent, so who knows what we'll get from them. It's it's two teams with winning records, but it's it's a weird game. Yeah, I mean, I think if the Colts could get, they kind of do what they did versus um, the Titans on that Thursday night game with the dink and dunk and kind of play keep away. I think they could have success versus Raiders defense. Um, but let's move on to the last game we want to talk about before we get to the interview with Matt. Um, huge game in the AFC North. Ravens at the Browns. Browns are 9-3, and three, clinched their first winning season uh, since that Derek Anderson 07 season. Ravens won last night uh, versus Dallas. I don't think you take a lot away from that. Is it's been a weird couple weeks for them, and Lamar didn't really practice leading up to it, so can't really put a lot on put, put a lot of uh, equity into how he played. Like I said, Browns are one point underdogs. Over unders forty six and a half. Cody, where are you leaning in this one? I loved what I saw out of the Browns in their game last Sunday. Obviously, Baker played the game of his life on the big stage. They finally kind of got the win that solidified them um, as a serious team in the AFC in terms of when they put it together offensively with that run game with Baker doing enough. And he was, I mean, it was an A-plus game out of him and Miles Garrett making plays. Uh, but all that being said, I like the Ravens in this one. The Ravens have kind of been shoved aside. I feel like, one, they've had a ton of COVID issues. Lamar is underwhelmed uh, this season. And again, last night, he looked good on the ground. Kind of give him a, a hall pass in the sense that um, he hadn't practiced at all. He's probably out of sync. The receivers still stink. But the Ravens are one-point road favorites in this one. The line's a little bit fishy to me after what we just saw from the Browns. And I just think ultimately it comes down to the fact that the Browns are they're kind of sitting in the driver's seat in the AFC wildcard picture. The Ravens need this game. They're currently ninth um, in uh, the, the conference. So they're running out of time here to, to make their move. They're eight and three. They're last against the spread in the last 11 road games. You kind of look at the underlying efficiency metrics, and maybe this hints at some of those close games with Cleveland. Cleveland's 23rd in overall team DVOA, and Baltimore's eighth. Now, they're incredibly banged up, but that's a massive difference uh, for, for two teams that are a couple wins apart. So I like the Ravens. The Ravens absolutely destroyed the Browns in week one, 38-6. Browns did beat them once last year. 
but I just think the Ravens are going to come in focused, ready to go. And I could see a world where Baker maybe reads one too many of his uh, press clippings this week, uh, singing his praises. So I'm on the Ravens minus one. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think? I'm not making a point about what you pick, but what do you think is the square play this week? The Ravens only getting a point versus the Browns when everyone thinks the Ravens are the better team, like coming into the year, all the expectation are the Browns after they blew out Tennessee last week. I imagine the Browns would be more the square play because of everyone just being like, oh, the Browns just killed the Titans. They're 9-3, and three, and the Ravens haven't looked good in a while. Yep, I, I agree. Um, I, do you I have kinda, it up on the Action Network? Yeah, so 53% are on the Browns line, opened at 3, now it's down to 1, 1.5. One so obviously, yeah, you know, slightly lean on the Browns with the public. But you mentioned the wild card. I mean, they're not dead. Depending if if the Bills beat Steelers on Sunday night, which we preview that game with Matt, and I think it's very possible could happen. Oh, they go in the division, I guess. They're, they're not out. They play the, they play the Steelers again. I mean, I would be shocked if that happens, but it, they're not dead for the division, especially if Steelers lose that game. Um, I have the slight lean on the Browns, but the play I, I like in this game is the under at 46 and a half. Um, as as we all know, these teams like to run. They're Baltimore's first. Browns are second in rush yards per game. Uh, they have the first. They run the ball percentage of their plays the first and the third most times in the league. The Browns are the 29th, Ravens are 30th in pace. So these teams play slow. They like to run the ball. Um, so I, I love the under in this game. I think it's going to be low scoring. And I think the Browns need it to stay low scoring just because the way that first game went, you know, the total is only 44, but they got blown out 38-6, to six, and they got behind quickly in that game. If they go down 14 nothing, they that game has to turn into a shootout for them to win, and I don't think they could get into a shootout. Uh, versus Ravens defense so I like the under as the play here the Browns have to get off to a good start and yes last week was a great game and especially for Baker for all the haters but for them to win a game in the AFC North where they've been dominated for the last 15-20 years uh, by the Ravens and Steelers basically just crapped on every year like this is the game they have to win Um, so I like the under the Browns have to get off to a good start uh, in this one yeah yeah, they do. They absolutely do. It seems like that's the Browns' recipe to win these games. Um, all right, so we will kick it to our interview with Matt. So everyone enjoy that, and we'll be be back on Sunday night uh, for another episode of the Sunday Scaries Pod. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, and Cody and I are excited to welcome back on the Full Slate Airways senior producer at the Action Network, Matt Mitchell. Matt, how you, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Tyler. How are you guys doing? 
doing good. We were just talking a little college basketball before we were getting started. We have this IU-Florida State game now going into overtime, coming down to the wire. You mentioned you hated Archie Miller. You're probably aligned with us on that. And then you mentioned you uh, hated Mick Cronin even more so. Could you start off by telling us what uh, what spurred that hatred? Yeah, I uh, I do hate Mick Cronin. I always have. Uh, he looks like Paul Giamatti, which drives me totally crazy. Because Paul Giamatti is a good man and an award-winning actor. Uh, Mick Cronin was the coach of Cincinnati, and I was uh, I was betting on one of their games when they got Lance uh, Stevenson, which feels like mm-hmm. 400 years ago. And I had a I had a bunch of money on Cincinnati. I think just money line, and it was a tie game with uh, 20 seconds to go. Cincinnati ball, and Mick Cronin calls a timeout, and they, they're huddling, and he's drawing shit, and they're doing all sorts of stuff, and it's like, obviously, Lance Stevenson's going to be taking the shot. Lance Stevenson gets the ball, dribbles to the, um, to the top of the key. He then dribbles in place for 19 seconds. He doesn't, he doesn't move a muscle. He dribbles at the top of the keeper in 19 seconds and then takes a straight up three and, and misses badly. And I, I went, Mick Cronin, you son of a bitch. If you if this guy comes out in OT, I, what were you talking about in that huddle that took four minutes? Was it, hey, Lance, I need you to dribble as far away from the basket as possible without moving. And then I need you to throw up the lowest percentage shot possible. Perfect. You got a great job. It was the, it was the, anyway, I, I hated him since then. And he's only encouraged that hatred since. Have, have you thought about the fact that there's like a non-zero chance that Lance was like, actually coach, I got this and did that. Right. That's as a coach who's like a zillionaire and who looks, I like coaches that look miserable and Paul does, or I, I called him Paul Giamatti. Mick does that great. <laughs> he looks totally miserable. But if you if you don't have control of your program in any sport, I can't I can't, I just get to hate your guts like Bruce Pearl. Like he just it's like he he hastily assembled really good high school players earlier that day in a gym and was like, you guys seem like pretty good ballers. You guys can just figure it out and I'll be clapping and sweating through a sport coat sweating, over here if dude. you need me. A lot of sweating. And we have to ask, Matt, before we get into some of our football talk, you said you had a story for us related to a Chattanooga game that you're sweating. So I think we got to we got to follow up on that. Yeah, my my baby girl, uh, Maxine, uh, my my daughter, she has an ear infection. And so we had to go to urgent care and it's like a whole whole rigmarole. But it ends. You had to go to you had to go to the pharmacy to get the medicine. And so I dropped my wife and her back at home. So they could, you know, do the bedtime thing. And I was going to have to wait in line at, at Walgreens to get the medicine. And while I'm waiting, my uh, my cousin and Action Network contributor, Mike Calabrese, who's a college basketball uh, devotee. I mean, he, he runs a college fantasy basketball league and has for years. He knows everything about oh, college wow. basketball, especially the the Big South and the, the, the marginal conferences. Mm. Uh, he told me, hey, you got to bet on the Chattanooga Mocs. And they're playing Bel- Bellerman, which is a school I did not yeah. know existed until until that until that moment. They're D two until this year, apparently. Yep. And so I gotta get I gotta add them to the fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're betting and we're sweating this whole game. And be- and usually I watch ninety seven percent of all sports on mute because and I always have as a as a gambler I don't really care what they have to say and I'm typically doing two things at once. And now as a dad, I, it's oh it's almost always on mute. So waiting in the in the Walgreens drive through. Being able to watch it with sound on, it was like I was in fucking Vegas. It's, <laughs> and I got to watch like half an hour of it. It's coming down to the wire, but the announcers are like the—they're like the worst announcers I've—I've I've like ever heard. And I—I I know they're probably doing this deal. They might have been graduate students or whatever at, at Bellarmine or I, I, who knows. Play-by-play guy was okay. The color guy sounded like a exhaust, like a hungover frat guy. He sounded like he was like 22. He'd gone out the night before. He had no energy. He was he was just having a rough time. But my favorite part was uh, the play-by-play guy. Uh, Bellerman gets the ball, and the defender falls down, and this lanky white guy dunks it home. And this play-by-play guy couldn't wait to go, <laughs> stand clear of the closing doors. <laughs> Dunk. And then, and then way too quickly pointed out that it was the – he way too quickly pointed out that it was the first dunk by any player on either team because he had clearly been waiting. He probably wrote that in his dorm room or whatever and was waiting to use it. Uh, 
it was it made no sense. We're, Mike and I were texting each other like, are they the door? Are they the fighting doors? Why, like why? <laughs> what this game is in Louisville? That's like a subway saying. It made is that no his sense. Last name or no? no, no, I, no think, I think it might have been Baptiste was his last name. It was it was mm. so bizarre and like ah, that's adorable. <laughs> that that's like you're gonna try to make that boom goes the dynamite. You know, try to catch on. So yeah. Uh, I, I, so now every time I think of Bellarmine, I'll think, oh, yeah, boom, uh, standing clear of the closing doors, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't imagine whoever's announcing the Bellarmine game could uh, mirror maybe like a Gus Johnson or something <laughs> like that. You know, you're, you're scraping at the bottom of the barrel. But that's why it's great to have college basketball back. You get to bet on these random schools you've never heard of and, you know, either listen to the announcers or what I love doing, following it on their uh, university StatCast website. Mm. But wanted to move on to some NFL talk. You know, we talked before the year with you on some stuff you liked. Um, last week, you had to eat uh, dog food with Darren Rovell, given uh, the Browns exceeded their team total over. What was that experience like? And are you a fan now? Where do you stand on dog food for humans? <laughs> so my, my wife, question. yeah, that's a, that's a good final question. My wife would be quick to point out that all of my favorite foods uh, have the have the look and consistency of wet dog food anyway, uh, corned beef hash, all of those things, curries, anything that looks like you should be mixing it and putting it into a dish on the floor is something I'm really into. But to, but to answer your question, so we do a promo called Fade Ravel, which is an agreement we have with uh, a points bet, which is a sports book in a number of states, and uh, every week uh, we will have uh, Darren Ravel pick a game. Pick a side, pick a total, pick you know, pick whatever, and then they'll boost the odds to fade him because he's not a very good gambler, and people hate his guts. And I am, I am often leading the charge in coming up with a custom punishment for Darren each week based on the pick, which is hard, and you you don't you have to be able to execute it. This year you have to be able to execute it like in a COVID world, so it, it's even harder. You have to make it compelling enough. It should be related to the bat. And you won't know if you have to do it until late Sunday, and then you have to execute that you know, with 18 hours notice. So it's hard. And I thought they, they this last week they were like, you can do like whatever you want this week. Like there's no tie-in. Like what would you like to do if you could pick any any punishment, any game? And I remember there was a guy who used to eat dog food in the front row of Browns games. Um, because he was part of the dog pound and he would open the can of Alpo and he'd eat it and CBS would show him. And it was so, I, I, I mean, that was 25 years ago and I still remember it. And I said, he should do that as a salute to the dog pound, not being able to be in the stadium. And he said, no, Darren was like, I'm not going to eat dog food. That's so gross. And, and we did, we've done a lot of food related punishments. And I got so mad because I thought this is good. People will be really into this. It's really a punishment. It's easy to film and it's so gross, but it's like gross and like a, Eat a spoonful of dog food, dude. Come on, like, come on. Be it, you know, be a, be a sport. And he refused to do it, so I, I got pretty heated. We had a, we had kind of a, <laughs> we kind of went at it. And then I promised in that exchange that I would eat dog food too, uh, if he would just promise to eat some. And that that turned the tide for him. He's never, he's he's like me. He can give in to peer pressure when appropriate. And then, of course, I, I picked. I, I said, let's do something in the Browns game. And I said, the a fun thing would be like the they can't score, so let's take the team total over. He's like, yeah, that's probably the best bet. And the Browns set a franchise record for points in a first half. Uh, the team total was 23 and a half. They scored 38 in the first half. They scored 24 in the first 16 minutes. We were eating dog food from Jump Street, and uh, I was. I was praying for a miracle that never came. So yeah, we uh, we had to start thinking about what we were going to eat. My brother's a veterinarian, so I I called him to ask him what his recommendation would be. Darren, of course, is is Darren's always afraid of. He's such a hypochondriac, but he he was worried he was going to get sick. And a doctor was like, "Don't eat dog food." And he tried to get out of it. And I screamed at him again. So eventually, we came to the agreement of we'd get Newman's own because I could trust Paul Newman, and uh, it's called Paul uh, Paul Newman's own dinner for dogs. Uh, which seemed like it was the most expensive can of dog food there, but it was wet and it was gelatinous and it was so, so gross. Darren ate a little off a spoon. He did eat it and he did throw up a little bit on camera, but I did see him throw up again off camera. And then I ate it with my hands and I ate a lot because I'm, I'm, I'm like, that's how we do it. Uh, and yeah, people really liked it. Got a lot of views. People were really into it. And I certainly feel like Darren was, was finally properly punished. Did you throw up? No, I actually had to 
coach so you myself the, pr- the whole time. You had a pretty big handful. You yep, had, yep. It was yep. a big I, scoop. And nothing like eating wet dog food off your own cold, clammy hand in a in a Milwaukee alley. But I I kept focusing on like don't don't think that you're eating dog food or you will throw up. And that's why I didn't. I usually be pretty chatty in these videos, and I I was thinking just don't think about that. This is dog food. Think about something else, or your body will throw it up. And yeah, it was gr- it was totally gross. But it's over now. My neighbor that helped me film it is uh, we're like we're like blood brothers now. That's that's the kind of bond you have when you film another man <laughs> eating special. dog food in the alley. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that is special. Uh, yeah, Matt. When we had you on in the off season, we talked about the Bills. We had high hopes for them in the AFC East. And I'm knocking on wood for you. Things are looking good for you guys. Tyler and I are 49ers fans. Josh Allen just absolutely tore us up on Monday Night Football. You have a massive Sunday Night Football matchup coming up versus Steelers at home. Before we get into the our predictions about the games and thoughts, what would uh, Bills Mafia be like for this game if it was non-COVID times? I imagine it would be the craziest home game in I don't know how long. So there was a there was a long streak where the Bills were essentially blacklisted from Monday Night Football for being awful. And it was a really, really, really long time. It was like 15 years or something. It was it was, uh, it was from like 2000 to 2015 or so. It was, I, I forget, it was a long time. Uh, and uh, when they finally played a, when they finally played a Monday Night Football game there, people got so out of control. Uh, there's a little tiny, really super shallow creek that runs by the stadium. A dude uh, passed out and drowned in the creek because people were out of control. <laughs> and because people would uh, take the day off and just drink all day like it was a Sunday, but they had so much more time. Like, you know, how you try to have those like big 12 games in college, try to kick them off at like 10 o'clock in the morning to try to prevent that kind of behavior. So it would be absolutely out of control if uh, if a... AFC East leading Buffalo Bills is welcoming as a as a as a home favorite. Favorite, yeah. uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers team that they could absolutely defeat. Uh, it it would yeah I I would not I would not let anyone I truly loved anywhere near the vicinity. So I, I hopefully they're able to dissipate that energy into their homes and alleyways and so forth around the the Western New York area. Yeah, it would be it would be an unreal atmosphere. And you know, when we were talking setting up time, you mentioned to me they hadn't won on Monday Night Football in 21 years prior to the other night yep. versus 49 or so. It's been a while. They haven't won the division since '95. So you know, the last couple of years they've been building and they made the playoffs last year. But now it seems like they've arrived and they're legit. And the way Josh Allen was playing, and maybe the 49ers just stink, but he was he was tearing them up, and he looked like the guy that was getting some MVP hype at the beginning of the year then the middle of the year, you know, kind of slowed down a little bit. Like, where are you with your Josh Allen belief? And do you believe he could take you guys and win a couple of games in the playoffs and maybe pull off an upset or something? Well, my, my first and biggest point of view on Josh Allen is that he has the dark beady doll eyes of a shark. They're lifeless <laughs> and scary or like a squirrel. Uh, I love Josh Allen. Uh, I've, I've come to love him as only someone who has endured like a who's who of the shittiest quarterbacks ever, ever trolled out onto an NFL field for two decades and that he is actually physically gifted. He, he, can, he can actually run super fast instead of just people saying he can. he can. He has a cannon for an arm instead of people just saying he's got a strong arm. He can actually do all of the things. Uh, he stopped making eh, he stopped making quite so many of the terrifyingly brain dead decisions that uh, were, for example, on display in the pl- last playoff game, lateraling to no one uh, with the game <laughs> on the line, stuff like that, stuff that are, is indefensible. Uh, but he's he's is he's playing very well. I'm I'm so pleased that Brian D- Brian Dable, our offensive coordinator, a man of Buffalo, he calls the most aggressive possible game. And it is refreshing in some ways to see us doing things, you know, stepping on people's throats in a way that I didn't, you know, we're not we're not just trying to grind out a win. He'll he'll still be throwing for the end zone up eight late just because he, he doesn't want games to kind of slip away. And Josh, I think, thrives in that. Uh, so, yeah, I think we could I, I think we can make a run. But it's it's again, it's it's just it's really hard for me. If all I needed to do was eat a little dog food to have the Bills win on Monday Night Football, I would have eaten a case of dog food 20 years ago, and I never would have been in this mess. But I'm I'm very pleased with how they're how they're playing. Their defense is still, they can't stop the run. It just needs someone to come and run it down their throats, but I, I don't know who that's going to be. 
So yeah, I, I'm feeling pretty optimistic. But again, my my goal has always been to win a playoff game. Ideally, it was to just host a playoff game, but that's probably not going to happen this season. Uh, or the, who knows? But I'm I'm sad that there's only the one bye, the one year we're having such a great year. Uh, but yeah, I think we could I think we could win one. It's I think we could beat Tennessee. That last game was so bizarre the way that it ended up being scheduled out and it was kind of over before it started. But we gave Kansas City a run for their money. If we give Pittsburgh the same, I wouldn't be overly terrified of playing either of them the way that I would be. I would have been last year. So, I mean, they're favorite against Pittsburgh. That really says something. Yeah, it's crazy. Good segue there. Bills, two and a half point home favorites, Sunday night football, over under 46. These teams played last year, actually. I kind of forgot about this. Bills yeah. beat them 17 to 10. An <laughs> ugly game. game. An ugly game back. I mean, the Steelers with no big Ben. They're throwing out a who's who of quarterback last season. Steelers coming in off that loss on Monday. They're up versus Washington 14 to 3. They blew that. I mean, I felt Washington was getting a lot of hype in that one. I think the line was around nine and a half. It opened the game opened around six and a half, and it seemed like Washington was kind of the trendy dog. And to see the Steelers get off to a 14-3 lead and ultimately end up blowing that game, that wasn't how I pictured that loss coming. But now the Steelers are in an interesting position where they're 11 one. They hold the tiebreaker over the Chiefs for the one seed at the moment, and obviously the one seed, the only buy, holds a ton of importance this year. Um, so this two and a half, it's interesting. Like you said, they're favorites. Josh Allen threw four touchdowns on Monday Night Football. Tyler, I'll kick it to you to start here. What are your thoughts on this on this Monday, on this uh, Sunday Night Football game? Yeah, IU just lost in overtime. So yeah, they did by two. I don't think did you, did you have three? Did you have three and a half, Matt? Three and a half. So, so I, I also we're over three. We everybody loses. Lost. Yeah. We've, we've all lost. We all go down. We all go down together. Hey, you know but, what they say: stand clear of the closing doors. You know. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah. T-shirt. Yeah, but as far as this game goes, it feels like the Bills, like these two teams, are going in opposite directions. As far as the Bills have looked really good, they're only lost. I think they're four and one in their last five, and the only loss was on the hail mary to the Cardinals. So they could easily be five and zero there. And if they were, this game has a lot more meaning for that potential one seed and the Steelers have looked really bad the last two weeks. Obviously they lost uh, to Washington the other day. This is their third game in 12 days. They do get James Conner back, but like watching the Steelers, there's just nothing like about them. They're like, wow, this is like a Super Bowl caliber team. I think they benefited from a favorable schedule. They won a couple good games, but like, I don't, I don't see them as the one seed in the AFC. Matt, I don't know how you feel about Colin Coward. Cody knows I, I'm a big fan. And he made, he made a good point about the Steelers, and I think he's kind of spot on. He said that they're like the Patriots of last year where, you know, they have the name recognition with Tomlin, Big Ben. They have that respect. The record might have been better towards the beginning of the year. But as they, the season goes on, you kind of see some flaws. And for a team that has a lot of good weapons as far as receivers go, they're not like super explosive. It's a lot of quick passes. So it might be the square play this week, but I do like the Bills minus two and a half. I actually already bet it because I think it'll go up above a field goal. So getting them under a field goal, I like the Bills. I, I just think the way Josh Allen is playing right now um, could outmatch the Steelers' defense, which is very good. But I really liked what I saw from the Bills on uh, Monday night versus the 49ers. So I'm going to take the Bills. Matt, what do you think? I mean, I'm so scared to take either side because I, I, I think the better – well, the play that I like is the under. I'm going to look under because I can see this being – uh, just a rock fight offensively because the the this, the 49ers game was interesting because I I was pessimistic about it. It was the most expensive Bills win I've had in a while because I expected the 49ers to get a lot of pressure and they just didn't. And I think the Steelers can actually get that pressure and then it's a different kind of game. And the Bills already have are not the best running team and the Steelers dominate that that aspect of, of the defensive side. So I I think. I don't think the Bills are going to meet with the kind of effortless passing success they just had. And likewise, the Steelers have looked lousy with Connor out. I mean, Benny, I like Benny Stell at Kentucky. He won me a lot of money there. He looks fucking awful uh, running the ball. He looks so, he, he he's like David Montgomery gingerly approaching the line of scrimmage. Those fourth and ones is a guy that bet Pittsburgh money line. Like, dude, just run fast through the hole. Like, just like approaching it like it's hot lava. So that, I, I think that's coloring my expectations and feeling so bullish on, on the Bills g generally, instead of feeling like we're definitely going to lose. 
is that a new running back is going to come in that might end up, I think they might have ended up passing more than they would have cared to because of that, because they just don't want to hand the ball to Benny Snell. And, and you know, that might end up making it more of a defensive battle and kind of a, I mean, like 23-20 cashes this easily. And I don't, I don't think there'll be 43 points scored in this game. I think it's, I think 40, 40 might be the ceiling, but I, you know, I could be wrong. I think one of these teams, at, the, at that number, at the current over-under, you need two to tango. And I think one of these teams doesn't score 17 points. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm on the opposite side of you, Tyler. I like the Steelers in this one. Sorry, Matt. Well, this may end up being a good thing for you. I guess the only <laughs> time will tell. But, like, you just get the best side of this number, honestly. The Steelers coming in off a loss. They look terrible. Kind of been stumbling a bit. As of late, they didn't look good versus the Ravens either in RG3. That game ended up getting a lot closer than it probably should have been. Bills have looked good for a number of weeks now. Josh Allen is absolutely playing out of his mind, but it's kind of strength or strength this game. Bills ranked third in the NFL in passing yards game. Steelers defense ranked second in the league in passing defense, holding teams just under 200 yards passing. It's going to be an exciting matchup. I just kind of like the angle of the Steelers feeling disrespected. The fact that they're underdogs. They're 11-1. We know home field advantage means nothing in New York. There are no fans there. So I like the Steelers plus 2.5. I don't feel amazing about it because I agree. The Steelers have not looked good of late. But in the NFL, it kind of feels like that's how, the, that's how this whole betting world works. So I'm going with the Steelers uh, plus 2.5. Yeah, from a betting perspective, just in a vacuum, the easiest way to grind out a profit in the NFL is to is to buy low and sell high. It's like it's just not any more complicated than that. If a team looks like total dog shit, like the Steelers did in the second half of that game, you buy you just buy them. You don't you don't like hesitate. If, if a team looked mm-hmm. like like they might have scored 70 on the 49ers if they wanted to, you sell them. So like in this in that regard, it's a very easy game. Where if every time a game like this comes up, you would have to take the Steelers in every. You have the team that fits the Steelers description every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And something you mentioned, Matt, that I'm interested to see how the Bills approach it being aggressive on first down. It felt like in the 49er game, they were throwing the ball every yeah. time on first down and it was successful. They really had no issues. So the Bills have thrown the ball the fifth most times on first down and they're number one in the NFL on passing success rate on first down. They're second overall in passing success rate. So they've been super aggressive. It'll be interesting to see against the Steelers defense that as we know, is elite. Are they going to do the same thing? Are they going to try to get the run game going? I'm not sure. And on the other side, Big Ben has the most passing attempts in the league. He's thrown over 40 attempts in six of their last seven games. Like, I don't think that's their recipe to win, and that's why I'm not as high on them. Because I think an issue they have, and kind of saw it in the Washington game, they can't milk the clock and kind of put teams away because they can't run the ball. And the Bills' rush defense hasn't been great this year. But just watching the game on Monday night, like they have like good players on the defense. I'm not sure why it hasn't came together like it did last year. Maybe Matt, you could give us more insight on that as a fan. But I just feel like this Pittsburgh run de- run game isn't the one that's going to give the Bills issues per se. So that's kind of why I like the Bills. I just don't think Big Ben at this point can carry them. We saw with that fourth and one call, they threw the ball at the end of the game. Like they they really don't have any confidence in this run game. I know Connor is coming back, but even him, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, I'm I'm choosing to view that as a referendum on Connor and not as a a view of the of the running game writ large. I think they I, I think they made it pretty clear Benny Stone can't get the job done when they need when they really need two yards. Yeah. I think I think their line's good enough to go back to the run game, especially against Buffalo, whose interior defensive linemen leave a little bit of something to be desired. But you know what? I, I guess that's at the end of the day, I think that's why this is an under game. I think this is going to be a little bit more grindy than uh, than, than the last in the Bills were in prime time where it looked like they might never stop scoring. And as someone that took San Francisco plus nine and a half live and watch them lose by 10, I just this Bills team is it's insanity to watch a team so bloodthirsty for points late and succeed. And Josh Allen transform in such a short period of time to a guy who very, very, very rarely throws an interception uh, from a guy who had just a couple seasons ago felt like he was going to turn the ball over every t- every time he threw or tried to run. He just seemed like a turnover machine, and now he's he, he's just not. It's great. 
Yeah, I mean, the Bills said, you guys had over 30 first downs on Monday Night Football, which was just insane. It was every drive, couldn't get off the field. Um, but that is what it is. Let's let's wrap up here with our lock of the week. Matt, to update you on the standings, uh, Tyler's sitting pretty right now. He's three games ahead of me. He's 9-3-1. and one. I'm 6-6-1. Six, six, and one. I'm fighting for my life. Four games left, four weeks left in the season. Got to uh, pick up the pace here a bit. Uh, since you're the guest, Matt, we'll let you kick us off here. What's your uh, best bet this weekend? So I am going with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to fade them, and I'm going to take the the Giants. Uh, Arizona is coached by Cliff Kingsbury. And as you guys are aware, but I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners are not, uh, I hate Cliff Kingsbury's guts end of seasons. Because every season since he was inexplicably named the head coach of Texas Tech in 2013, he has uh, lost a supermajority of his games to end the season every single year without exception, and then has carried that into the NFL, where he was, again, inexplicably promoted after failing at Texas Tech. Uh, by rundown, 2013, he lost five of his last six after starting 7-0. and Then he lost four of five the next year. Four of six the year after that. In 2016, he lost six of eight, despite having Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. 2017, he lost six of eight again. 2018, lost five straight and carried that five-game losing streak with him to the NFL for some reason. And then last year, he lost seven of nine. And then this season, if it weren't for a Hail Mary, he'd have five straight losses right now. It is inexplicable that being super handsome and looking dope in sunglasses makes everyone think you are an excellent coach when kind of the, the, the calling card of being a good coach is as the season wears on other coaches are making adjustments against you, but you make better adjustments and you continue to win and manage your program, manage your NFL team. Like you're the CEO of this, of this kind of, uh, of this operation. He's a terrible CEO. He's more like a, like a district manager level talent. Uh, and now he's he's try, he's getting bailed out a little bit with having a, a seminal talent like like Kyler Murray. But his team is for the uh, 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. For the eighth consecutive year, a team coached by Cliff Kingsbury is sliding into the abyss. And everyone thinks it's just a little a blip on the radar. So uh, join the fun and fade Cliff Kingsbury this week against the Giants. Yeah, people will always question how Mahomes kind of fell in the draft and, you know, how could the Bears pass on him, all these other teams. And, like, I think the more wild thing, and you brought it up, how at Texas Tech they didn't have a winning record with him and they struggled that much in the in the Big 12, which is never really that strong. And, yeah, me and Cody haven't been huge fans of Kingsbury. I had them as my lock of the week when they played Miami uh, a few weeks back and Tua had that big game. And his just decision-making in that game was so terrible – and he's just, he's in over his head, like you said, the Hail Murray, Hail Mary, Hail Murray. Um, and also the game versus Seattle, they got lucky to win. So I think they've kind of been slipping for a while now. And they lose this week to the Giants, which is very possible the way the Giants defense is playing. And Kyler Murray might be a little banged up. I mean, they're in legit. I think they're out of the playoffs right now with the tiebreaker. And if they lose this week, they're even in more trouble. So it feels like that team's mm -hmm. stock was so high just a, like a few weeks ago, and now it's kind of tanking. So, And people like still go, and people go, oh, what hap what's happening? What's, you know, it's like, what's happening? It's Cliff, it's the coach. It's He's been doing it for eight years. <laughs> I am sorry, I don't mean to fly off the handle, but it's it's like crazy to me that the buck never seems to stop with Cliff Kingsbury. And it makes me wish I had a thick, rich head of hair and great jawline, because then I, you just get away with being borderline incompetent at your and you get that great house that we all saw during the NFL draft. The same, this, the same reason I like the Steelers is why I like the Cardinals. The Giants have looked incredible. Huge win versus Seattle. Cardinals have been miserable for over a month now. Two and a half on the road. I know Daniel Jones is coming back. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'll probably end up staying away from this game, but like if I had to choose a side. But I don't know. I mean... We've had prior guests come on, Matt, that have said trends aren't your friends, but that's a pretty long, that's a, that's a long sample size you've had there with uh, Cliff Kingsbury faltering at the end, end of the season. Series. And to be fair, this is fueled by a deep-seated personal animosity, which a good gambler shouldn't allow to cloud his or her judgment. 
that said, when you get this fired up and pissed off, and then also you win the bat fueled by that hatred, it's it's like Feels ten, good. it's ten times more satisfying. So I'll mm-hmm. just I'll just leave it at that. Cool. Tyler, what's your lock of the week? Yeah, so for my lock of the week, I was going back and forth on the same game, the side or the total, but I think I'm going to take the total, and again, I'm going with an under this week as my lock. I'm taking the under in the Saints-Eagles game at 44. Um, so since Taysom Hill's taken over, those games have trended uh, with the under, and the Saints' last five games, the under has hit all five times, and they've seen an average of 37 points. When talk about the Saints, you're used to great offense, obviously with Sean Payton, but the defense has been kind of the story. They're second in the league in defensive DVOA, and they're only trending up. They've only allowed two touchdowns in their last five games. And another reason I like this game, obviously the Eagles have benched Carson Wentz, which that is a disaster. They're going to have to work out his contract. Starting Jalen Hurts, I wasn't a huge fan of Hurts coming out into the NFL. We'll see. Can't be much worse than Wentz, but I think this is a terrible matchup for him in his first start. Saints are fifth in pressure rate. They have the third most sacks. And conversely, Wentz was sacked 53 times. That was nine more than any other team. The Eagles give up the third highest pressure rate. Alshon Jeffrey, who doesn't really give much anymore, but he's probably out. Jason Peters might be out in this game. The Saints are second in rush defense, fourth in pass. Um, they have the most sacks in the league over the last three games. I just think this is a terrible matchup for the Eagles. I don't think they're going to be able to score in this game. And as we've seen from the Saints, they like to play at a slow pace with Taysom Hill, very run-heavy with Kamara, Latavius Murray, drain the clock. So I like the under in this game, kind of like what you said, Matt, with the Bills game. I don't see the Eagles getting over maybe like 13 points in this game, and the Saints play a more methodical style with Taysom Hill. So that's that's my pick, the under. And the... The Eagles' rush defense is excellent, and making Taysom Hill throw is always a recipe for an under. So I, I think that's great, and it is one of life's great pleasures this, uh, this COVID-ravaged 2020 to bet Eagles unders because they are it is it's gruesome to watch. Yeah, the fact they that Doug Peterson was the coach of the Super Bowl team a couple years ago, and we've seen how much they've fallen off. It's just it's pretty wild that it's turned around that quickly and how bad Carson Wentz has looked when he was, you know, an MVP guy a few years ago. It seems like Frank Reich had more to do with that. Um, but let's, did you have any comments, Cody, or do you want to give out your lock? You're talking on mute. All right, now I'm back. Um, I said you might hate yourself 20 minutes into this one just because you're <laughs> going to you're gonna have to watch this game. The only thing that would make me nervous is the unknown with Jalen Hurts. He didn't light light up the world by any means in his time, but they were frisky. They were covering until that late Aaron Jones run. But I like the Taysom Hill fade on kind of the under there. Um, so I'm um, I'm confident that pick seems like it should hit. We'll see how that ends up happening. Uh, my lock of the week. I'm taking an over in the Bears Texans game. It's 45. Uh, the Bears' defense came into the year. They got off to a hot start. Everyone's hyping up their defense. It's a frisky team. Well, they're on a six-game losing streak, and that same defense is allowing 28 a game. They'll have 30 last week versus the Lions. Um, and the Texans don't have a good defense on their own. To their own merit, they're giving up about 27 points a game, and the over is actually hit in six of their last seven road games, notably. And the angle I really liked here is that these are the two worst rushing offenses in the league. Both these teams need to pass the ball. Trubisky's back, and I don't love Trubisky, but he's looking better than Foles. They've at least put up 25 and 30 points, respectively, the last two out. And in terms of pace, these teams are on the, the top half of the league just because, again, they can't run the ball. So they're 12th and 13th in pace. 45 points is all you need. I like that. I like Deshaun Watson in a little bit of, a, oh, these guys passed me up, everyone's favorite storyline. But also the Mitchell Trubisky's literally playing for not necessarily his job in Chicago, but this is all an extended tryout for a job somewhere in the NFL. So I think he's going to play well. He'll be able to put up some points against a bad Texans defense. And uh, when you're taking it over, as we know, Tyler, got to double-check the weather. 32 and sunny in Chicago, so not saying that's that's like full-on over weather, but it's not snowing. It's not raining in December. I'll take it. Uh, so I'm riding with the over 45 in uh, in Chicago there. What I love think? it. I love it. There are 10 uh, totals, 10 totals 
for the Texans this year have been 49 or over. And now I know mm-hmm. I know that obviously they're missing some some weapons uh, due to suspensions now. But I like that's a that's a really low total for Deshaun Watson to have to jump over, especially because he seemed utterly devastated by their mm-hmm. by his by his fumbling away a potential win last week. That's you just don't need that many. You don't really need all that much to go right. The Texans will give up an unlimited number of points, so mm-hmm. they can give up points even to the Bears. And you, yeah, you just a, a special teams touchdown or a fumble if, at the wrong time. It, you know, that's a that seems like a bar to jump over. I think I'll be on that one. Yeah, I like the pick as well. And I liked when you mentioned Cody the angle. You know, Deshaun Watson revenge game versus the Bears. It's too bad there's no fans there because that would be a great reaction to see. Uh, what would happen there? And Trubisky, you know, the Bears' offense played decent last week. They do well versus these worst defenses. So I like the pick. Um, I think, Matt, you know, I know you have to go, but this has been great. Could you give us uh, your Twitter handle and where people could find you? Oh, sure. Uh, people can find me producing the Action Network podcast uh, and the Favorites podcast with Chad Millman and uh, on Twitter at old boy Uncle Mitch, O-L boy Uncle Mitch. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Hey, uh, stand clear of the closing doors. Don't eat dog food. And (laughs) and good luck this weekend. (laughs) 